welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Alright, so we are going to continue in our series looking at encounters with Jesus as we walk through the Gospels and we look at different encounters that Jesus had with ordinary men and women like you and I. Um, we had a little bit of break last week. Wasn't it great to have Graham and Daryl with us? I so enjoyed hearing uh, Graham speak, and uh, especially and then Daryl at the end to uh, share her little her, her story, basically of, of all the stuff that's gone on in their life over the past what six months with her mum dying and them not being able to go and see her and her being alone at that in that with um, her being diagnosed with breast cancer and then also their daughter getting married but not able to go to their wedding. Um, so yeah, just, but them just their testify their, their their testimony through that of how they even through through those rubbish life situations, um, God was able to work through that. And as they prayed for opportunities to be able to share in that, God gave them opportunities. Um, so if you didn't hear that, I encourage you to go online, listen to that. Um, it was brilliant, and I'd encourage you just to to watch that again. But today. We are continuing in the series looking at Counts with God, and we are going to look at a guy named Levi, or Matthew, depending on which gospel you look at. Now, nothing to be confused about, okay? It is the same guy in, in the book of Matthew. This story is told, and he's called Matthew. In the book of Luke, which is where we're going to be in Luke 5, he's called Levi. And most of you will probably know him as Matthew because it is recognised recognized as the author of the book of Matthew. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, same guy, two names. You know, most of us, you know, if you're, if you're English, you probably don't get this. But those of you who have different kind of heritage will, will, will get this. Um, uh, you know, for, for some of you, just because our English tongue can't pronounce your native name or whatever. But, but um, some people, they just have, they have different, different names, different places. So in, for, in this, for this time, in this part of the world, it was really common. So what it is, is his name, his Hebrew name, his good Hebrew name, traditional Hebrew name, Levi. But his Greek name, his Greco-Roman name, because they lived in a Greco-Roman world, was Matthew. And you get the same sort of thing with Paul, don't we? You know, his, he, was, he was called Saul. That Saul was his Hebrew name. His, his, um, his good traditional Hebrew name was Saul. And then his Greek name, his, uh, his Greek Roman name was Paul. And what we sometimes kind of misquote and say that he was, he was bad, he was awful, he, he persecuted the church, he wasn't a Christian, and that was Saul. And then he became a Christian, and all of a sudden he transformed and he became Paul. And that's not what the Bible says at all. What the Bible says is basically his name was Saul. And then God called him to go to the non-Jewish people. And because he was going to non-Jewish people, to the Greeks and the Romans, he then took upon his Greek, Greek name, which was Paul. And so it was really common. Uh, hopefully you won't get confused. I'm going to, pretty much because it's in this scripture, call him Levi. But if you want to translate in your head as Matthew, because that's who you know, fine. But yeah, just to clear any misconceptions or any confusion there. So let's get straight into it. Let's read Luke chapter 5 verse 27 to 31. It says, after this, and this is important, okay, when anyone, anyone starts a, a sentence, if you've ever Bible teaching 101, then anyone starts a sentence saying, after this, or therefore, we always need to go for what's happened before, and we will do. So, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, 
and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Both the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not for the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. I thank you for this time of worship, God. I thank you that you are you are stirring, God. You are calling us. You are stirring us into faith, Lord God. You're stirring us to have faith for our neighbour. You're stirring us to have faith for our town. You're stirring us to have faith for, for, for our life, Lord God, that you would use, that you would redeem the, the rubbish that we are going through. Lord Jesus, uh, 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 I, and I pray, Lord God, that you would gift us that. Lord God, and we would be able to act out in faith, Lord God, no matter what hardship, whether it's illness, whether it's job security, whether it's um, homes just not getting sold or bought or whatever, Lord Jesus, or, or whatever, Lord God, whether, it, whether it's for that neighbour who, who, who is just awful to us or whether it's for that, that family friend who we want to see know you and it just seems impossible. Lord God, I pray, God, that once again you renew us, you refresh us, you give us fresh faith again for us to act out in that. Amen. Right, so, what happens? So this story, basically, Levi is called, he's called, this is basically Levi's conversion story. This is how he becomes Christian, how he becomes a follower of Jesus. But like I said, this piece of scripture, the story starts with after this. And this is because that's really important, because Luke is a really great storyteller. And what he does is he, he doesn't just throw bits of stories together and just like, right, this is what happened, and here you go, and kind of the mud hits the wall, and whatever you read, whatever you understand, that's it. And what he does is he, he masterfully kind of works these stories. And so if we read from the beginning of chapter five, what we see is, is that Jesus starts off chapter five by starting to gather his first disciples. And if you read this, what you see is that he doesn't start to gather the people that everyone would assume he'd gather. He doesn't gather the sort of people who we would assume he'd gather. He doesn't gather the rich. He doesn't gather the educated. He doesn't gather the religious elites. No, he starts off with three poor fishermen, uneducated fishermen. Peter, um, John, Luke, um, not Luke, Peter, um, James, John. And, and so these guys are kind of on the outskirts, but, you know... They're all right, Jews, so you can kind of get away with it, okay? Then we move into a, into a couple of stories where Jesus does some amazing healings. And he, first off, he heals, he heals a guy who's got leprosy. He, um, who, who he heals he's got leprosy, the skin disease. And then he heals this guy who's paralyzed. And if you read this story, it's a great story. I love this story. It's a story where this guy's completely paralyzed and his friends know that Jesus is in town and they know that Jesus could heal him so when they go and take their paralyzed friend to Jesus, and they can't get in, they can't get into the house where Jesus is staying, so they climb onto the roof, and they dig a hole in the roof, and they lower this guy, this their friend down into the, into the roof. I just, I, I just hope it wasn't raining or anything like that. It's just like, it'd just be awful. But um, they, they, they lower him down, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, your faith has healed you. And to prove that your faith has healed you, get up and walk. And the amazing thing about these stories is that we don't quite get it first off. But the amazing thing about these stories is, is this guy who had leprosy, this guy who was lame, what that meant in their culture was, wasn't just that these guys were disabled. What it meant was, is these guys couldn't enter into worship. 
It meant that they were deemed as unclean. It meant that these guys couldn't, couldn't fully enjoy the community of God. They were outcasts. They were set aside. They weren't allowed in. They weren't, they weren't allowed to be with God's kind of special people. They, they, because of their, see, what they had is they had this belief that, that because um, if someone was ill or if someone was, was, was paralyzed or whatever, what, they, what the question was, and this comes up for the disciples, isn't it, later on in the Gospels, they say, why has this happened? Who, basically, who's messed up? Who's the sinner? Who's the bad person? Is this person sick because they're a bad person or are they sick because their parents were a bad person? Jesus is neither. It's so that the Son of Man may be glorified. But the idea that these people were seen as outcasts, but Jesus, by healing them, he doesn't just make this guy able to walk. He doesn't just cure this person from, an, from a, a skin disease. He does so much more. He invites these people, he draws these people into a relationship, into the kingdom of God. These guys are invited as so that they can come into God's presence to meet with God's people. And then, so we've gone from uneducated fishermen, bringing them in to his disciples. Then we've got someone with leprosy, someone with, who's paralyzed, saying, you are welcome in the kingdom. And then he goes where no one would thought he would go. He goes to a tax collector. He goes to a tax, now tax collectors were the lowest of the low. I mean, if you want to think, you want to kind of imagine what a tax collector was seen like, I mean, really, you're, you're thinking of terrorists. They weren't terrorists, but you're thinking of that. That's how low everyone would look at them. Everyone hated them. You see, the, the people who were, who were uneducated or people who were, who were, who were ill or sick or whatever, they, they might have been um, put set aside from being able to enjoy God's presence fully by the people, but that wasn't their choice. But tax collectors, it was their choice. They'd chosen to take on a career that worked for this oppressive Roman government that everyone hated, and not only did they work for them, but their work meant that they would take money from you and give it to them, the enemy. And so the reason, so everyone would look at it, and you know, if, if you think of your, think of your life, think of your life, think of things that, that you would really like, you know, things that, oh, if I just had a bit more money, you know, things just wouldn't be a struggle. Well, that's because it's the tax collector's fault. Okay? Well, I think we all agree on that, but, um, but even more so, even more so back then. You, know, you want something, you can't have it. You can't afford it. Your, your life is stuck in the, in, the, in the pit that it's in, and it's all the tax collector's fault. And that's how they were seen. And that's how they were seen. These awful, horrid people that no one wanted community with, no one wanted to be with, they were shunned from society, but Jesus comes. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. This man who's on the outskirts, people, jaws would have literally dropped. What are, I mean, it says, the Pharisees, that these religious elite, they're like, what is Jesus doing? Spending time with people like this. He gets so criticised. What does Levi do? What does Levi do? He says he jumps up straight away. He says, yes. When the call of God comes upon his life, he doesn't think about it twice. He, like gets, he leaves everything behind and follows Jesus. There's something inside him, not that he, he barely knows Jesus, but there's something inside him that knows that, that if he leaves what he's got here, even though it's a sacrifice to leave it, the sacrifice that he's leaving behind is nothing compared to what he's going to gain by following Jesus. And so he leaves 
his old life and follows Jesus. And not only does he leave his old life and follow Jesus, what we see here is in proof, uh, um, again, uh, that it is a true salvation, it's a true um, change, 180 degrees repentance in his life. He doesn't only leave and follow Jesus for himself. At the first opportunity that he gets, he holds a party at his house. Not to show off, not to say these are all the things I've got, this is my new place. Everyone marvel at my place, how good it is. No. He throws a party so that the people who are just like him can bump into Jesus like he did. So that other tax collectors, other people on the outside can bump into Jesus. Because what, what, what he sees, what Matthew sees, what, what Levi sees in this moment, he, he sees that literally that if Jesus could save me, he could save anyone. If Jesus and the other people, what you're meant to think, and what the other disciples are meant to think is, if Jesus can have a relationship with Levi, then he can have a relationship with them and them. Because none of them, in my eyes, are anywhere near as bad as Levi. I mean, in God's eyes, they are, but you know, in our eyes, they're nowhere near as bad as Levi. Because you see, the truth is, no one, not one, that is too bad, too far gone, too awful for Jesus, for him to make it here, for him to transform. There is no one. And instantly we all think of that person in our lives and we think, well, they're never going to get saved, are they? <laughs> instantly, don't we? We straight away just go there. But the truth is, the truth of Scripture is, the truth of the Bible, the truth of how great our God is, how amazing he is, there is not one person who is beyond his saving grace. So let me ask you, who are you praying for? Who are you praying that God would come and invade their life, that God would come and save, that God would come and turn around their lives, no matter how anti, no matter how, how against God they are? Who, who are you praying? Because there is no one it's too far gone. There is no one beyond Jesus' saving grace. And the amazing thing is, and actually this is the scary bit, okay? Actually, it's quite easy to stand up in church. It's quite easy to stand up here. It's quite easy to pray out on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning and say, Jesus, come and save my friend. Lord Jesus, come and, come and move in my situations. God, come and save my family. That, that, that can be quite easy sometimes to do. What's really hard is actually the truth that Jesus pretty much always does it through us. He does it through you. And again, we love to go, yes, he does do that. He does it through that person who's sitting on the next row because they're really good at it and I'm not. I can't speak to people. I can't show people um, what Jesus is like. <clears throat> How could you think Matthew was? How good do you think this guy Levi? See, I told you I keep uh, switching between the two. But um, how, how, how good do you think he felt that he was of explaining the gospel, how good Jesus was? I mean, he didn't grow up, he, he, he wasn't um, a, a good Jewish boy. He was a tax collector. And how long was he, being, he had he been a Christian? Seconds. But what does he do? He opens up his home. So that those around him, those like him, those who would come to his place, could bump into Jesus. And now we don't, obviously, we don't have, you know, if you came around my house, you don't have 
uh, uh, you know, there, there wouldn't be a dozen of us sitting on seats or whatever, and then one of those seats Jesus is sitting in. That's not how it works. But what we do have now, because of the resurrection, because of Jesus' ascension, because of his Holy Spirit now indwelling in every single believer, what we do have is Jesus in us. So if there's 12 Christians in my house, there's 12 there's 12 Jesus, 12 Jesus, there's 12 impressions, there's 12, 12 impressions of Jesus, there's 12 mirrors of Jesus in, in my house. There's 12 people reflecting the glory of Jesus in my house. Do you get that? So guys, this is, this is what we've been going through, this is what we've been kind of saying, and actually this is kind of what, this is what Graham was saying, and Daryl was saying last week actually, that God's giving you stuff. For some of us, it's rubbish. Some of us, when we look at our lives, we think, actually, what God's given us is, feels completely rubbish. My, my, my finances, my health, my whatever, it's just rubbish. But what God's given you, he can redeem, and he can use to see people saved, to see people come to him. But like we said, remember, um, in week one, when we looked at um, the, the miracle of water into wine, he does that, he, heaven breaks in, heaven breaks in when we speak to people. But we need to speak to people. In the, in the, in the water into wine, heaven broke in, yes, because Jesus did a miracle, but, but actually because a servant was brave enough to get that water and give it to the, the master. In here, heaven broke into the situation, heaven broke into Matthew's life, heaven broke into to people around Matthew and their circumstances because Matthew was brave enough to say, come to my house for dinner. Come in. And, and as they did, many people would have bumped into Jesus. You see, it's so easy. Jesus, Jesus ends this, this um, little interaction by saying you know, he hasn't come for the he hasn't come for the, the well, he's come for the sick. And it's actually quite easy to, to look at those around us, to look at the world around us, to look at our friends, to look at those who come in and actually for ourselves to start building up walls and saying they can't run into Jesus because they're like this, because they believe this, because these things happen, because they, they've done this or that. And this is exactly what the Pharisees did. They were meant to be God's elite. They were meant to be the people who were closest to God. But what they did, what they failed to do, and what they did over and over again, they kept building up walls saying, you can't meet Jesus. You can't meet God because you're like this. Once you sorted your act out, then you can run into Jesus. And we might, we might not say, well, you can't come to church or you can't hear about Jesus until you clean up your life. But we put up other walls, don't we? We put up other walls, like we, we put mental walls up saying, well, what's the point in praying for them? Because they're so anti. What's the point in praying for them? Because I've already asked them twice if they'd like to come along to church, or they'd like to come, come along to an event or whatever, and they've said no. But what's the point? You see, the amazing thing is that when Jesus, when Jesus saw Matthew, what everyone else saw was a man who was evil, a man who needed punishment, a man needing telling where he messed up. But what Jesus saw was a man who was sick. He saw a man who needed a physician. He, was, he saw a man 
that actually didn't need someone telling him all the ways he'd stuffed up, all the things that he'd done wrong. He needed, he needed the blood of Jesus to cleanse him and make him well. See, so therefore, that's why, that's why we say, that's why we say with, with all honesty that everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Every single person is welcome to join our community. Every single person, you know, it doesn't matter about age or, or sex or your job or your education, your politi- political views, your race, whether, you, whether you're a vegan or whether you're a carnivore. I mean, you may not understand why you'd be one or the other, but it doesn't mean you cannot encounter Jesus. We're not to put walls up to, to, to prevent people. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're single, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you're divorced. It doesn't matter. You can still come. People can still come and run into Jesus. It doesn't matter what your, what your sexuality is, what your gender is. It doesn't matter how you identify yourself. It doesn't matter. You can still run into Jesus. You see, what we try and do, we try and say, well, they can't because, because they're living in some sort of sin, so therefore they need to clean themselves up before they run into Jesus. No. Jesus comes and his blood heals. His blood brings life change. Our judgment or our lack of faith because of someone's life circumstances, that doesn't bring any change. See, the cure isn't to, to, to put more division up. The cure isn't to, to, to make more excuses. You see, sin is a disease. Sin is a disease which, which ultimately it produces opposition to God. And if we, if we say, well, you're not welcome, or if we make people feel not welcome because of the ways that they live their lives or things they do or don't do that are different to us, and let's be honest, most of the things that people do different to us aren't sins, they're just life choices, they're neutral. But there are things that are, are sinful, but ultimately the cure isn't for us to stand here and say, you can't be with us, you can't be a part of us, you can't run into God until you clean yourself up. Ultimately the cure is the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, which when we receive it, we are changed. Which has amazing side effects, by the way. The blood of Jesus Christ has amazing side effects of joy, of generosity, of forgiveness, of wanting to spend time with people who you're nothing like. And there's so many more. You see, the story of Jesus, the story of, of Levi and Jesus, this is moment where Jesus breaks into Levi's life, ultimately shows that we don't and we can't change people. We can't change ourselves. I mean, how many times have you, have you sat, sat down and you thought, oh, I'll never do that again to do it tomorrow, to do it the next day? I mean, we're useless. I mean, I say that to me. Yeah, I'm, I know I'm useless. See, Matthew, he couldn't change himself. But one day, Jesus came along and called his name. And he was changed forever. No one would look at Matthew and say, you're going to be a godly man. I mean, I, which, I, mean I, I, I just love, right? I just love it. Okay, it's these Pharisees' faces who are, who, are, who, who, are, who are discounting people like Levi, who are saying, this person is worth nothing. This person is scum. 
and then kind of seeing at the end, seeing at the end of time, whatever, that the, the Bible has has a book with his name on it. I mean, that's quite cool. Um, you know, this this guy who who thought who no one would have thought could be saved, who have his life changed. One moment with Jesus, his life was transformed. One moment with Jesus and his life was transformed. Guys, hear this. There is no one who is too far gone. No one who is too sick. No one who is too, too far in their sin that Jesus cannot heal them. So who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't know anyone. I love, I love this idea. Yes, yes, I, I want to pray. I love praying. I love praying to Jesus. But I don't know anyone. I only know Christians, and you know, and my whole family's a Christian. My whole family's Christians. Everyone I know in this town's Christian. I, I, I don't know anyone. Let me give you a hint. A, start praying that you might meet some non-Christians, and B, start meeting people. It's really, it's really simple, and especially if you're a person who likes seeing people. Um, let's. Pray. So, who are you praying for? Who are you praying might bump into the risen Jesus? Finally, who are you making time for? Who are you making time for that so that they can bump into the risen Jesus through you? Through you. So this is the amazing thing about Matthew's story. He bumps into Jesus, and then the very first thing he does in obedience to Jesus, he throws a party so that others like him can bump into Jesus. He just does what he normally would do. So guys, what can you normally do? What can you normally do that can, that can help people bump into Jesus? So guys, my, my challenge for you, my continuing challenge for you is, is, is open up your home. Open up your home. Invite people in. Invite people in so that they may bump into Jesus through you. I can't wait to get moved and get a house unpacked because I want our house full of people again. You know, I, I, want, I want boxes gone, I want stuff in their places, and I want people in our house. That, that's what I want, you know. you know. We're having to borrow mugs when you come over because they're all packed. So I want, I want people to, I want, I want you know, a gazillion mugs in the cupboard so that we can have loads of people around. That's what, that's what I want because I want people to be able to bump into Jesus through me. And I am rubbish at talking to people. It's quite ironic that I like doing this, but I, I guess it's because you don't talk back. But um, I'm rubbish at talking to people. I'm awful at it. Jen's much better, as, as you all know. Um, <laughs> she could talk for days. Um, she's not here, so she, she probably won't listen to this either. Um, but you know, I'm rubbish at talking to people. And we often, so many of us who are like that, we just feel like, oh, what's the point of spending time with people? Because all I do is, is someone, if someone says something, or even if someone gives me the opportunity of what do you do, what do you believe, what do you, this, which I can quite easily start to share them a bit about Jesus, I kind of just go, um, yeah, I don't know. And it's like, I have nothing to say. It's just like, what on earth do I, am I meant to do? And let me say, First off, okay, we've got it. Pray, pray for opportunities. Pray for people. Pray for opportunities. Invite people to be around you. And thirdly, pray. And this, these can be thirty-second prayers or you know, ten-second prayers, just when you're just about to talk to someone. But pray that God will give you the words. And let me tell you, because I've seen this time and time again, that your words don't need to be the most articulate. Your words don't need to be the best. Let me tell you, um, I've, I've preached. Um, 
let's be modest, some amazing preachers in my time. <laughs> some amazing preachers. Explained the gospel amazingly, had people rolling around with laughter, and, and, uh, and then I've asked if people want to, want, to, want to become Christians, what do we say? No one. No one. I've seen people give literally the worst gospel message ever. I mean, honestly, it was incoherent. Uh, I had no idea what you were talking about. And then they just say at the end, right, so based on that, does anyone want to become a Christian? And like 20 people cut stand up. I'm like, what? Because Jesus can use your words. Jesus can use what you say. Jesus, what, even if you feel it was rubbish, Jesus can use it. So let's pray, guys. Let's pray that God would use us, that we would take those opportunities. Like Daryl said last week, she sat in the hairdressers and the hairdresser said, so what's happened to you? She took a deep breath and said, this is what's happened to me. And as, as the hairdresser starts crying, she's like, how, can you, how did you cope through that all that? <coughs> she didn't just say, I don't know. She said, because I walked with Jesus, because he was with me. And remember, we all go through rubbish. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that your life's any nicer than the person next to you. We all have tragedy, we all have rubbish. But the difference is that we get to do our tragedy with Jesus. And the world needs to know that. I'm gonna pray and then we can go. So Lord Jesus, and why don't you pray with me? Pray with me, don't just close your eyes, but pray with me. Lord God, I pray. Jesus, I ask you. God, I ask you that you would save God, it's why we're here. We want to see your kingdom come. God, we want to see your kingdom break in. God, we want to see moments of heaven break into our lives, Lord Jesus. So God, I pray, Jesus, that you would once again, as you've been talking to us about faith, God, I pray that you'd give us faith for that person who we, who, who we feel, well, they're never going to believe, whether they're in our family, whether they're at our workplace, whether they're on our street. God, you'd give us faith again, that you might move, that you can save them. God, I pray that you'd give us faith that you could use us as that. God, you could use us to, to save, to see, to see salvation come. Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, that as we do that, as we open up our homes, God, you would, you would breathe upon us. God, you'd breathe upon those situations, God, and that we, we would, you would use our words, you'd use our deeds, and you would bring salvation. Come, Lord God. Right. I, I just thought this while we pray, right? If you feel, this may be one, this may be two, but if you feel that God has given you a special gift of evangelism, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. If you feel like God speaks, God, you have a special heart and you have a, a gift or whatever, and may, maybe it's only a, a, a small fledgling gift to be able to share the gospel with people, why don't you stand? And I'd love to pray for you. Great. Good. Thank you. Right, if you're around these guys, why don't you just, just um, put a hand towards them and uh, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for these guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for the gift that you have started in these, these guys. Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use these. Lord God, you say, Lord God, the gift of evangelism is a gift to your church. God, and I pray, I thank you for these gifts to your church. God, I pray that you give these guys the, the words. God, you give these guys the time. God, you give these guys the opportunity to speak into young lives, into old lives, into and those in the middle. God, you give these guys opportunities. And Lord God, I pray, Jesus, that we would, we would be able to reap fruit from these guys. God, I pray in your name. Amen. We've not finished yet. Right, everyone else, stand up.
if you're able to. Okay. If you don't deem yourself a capital E evangelist, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're told in scripture to all pray and do the work of an evangelist. So I'm going to ask those of you who stood up <coughs> to just just pray for those around you, and then and I'm going to I'm going to pray um, as well. So we're going to pray for the, all of you that we would all have opportunities and that we would take them. Because God's going to give God's God's got work for you. We're not just praying that God's going to act through those of you, those who stood up, but actually through all of us. We recognise a special gift, but actually we want God to act through all of us. So let's go, Lord Jesus. We pray, O God, for that gift of evangelism. God, we we recognise that some of us find it easy, some of us don't. God, and some of us we we've seen fruit, some of us haven't. Lord God, but we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us all the boldness, all the faith. To be able to do the work of an evangelist, Lord God, like like Paul tells Timothy, um, to to even though he's not a, a, a gifted evangelist from Scripture, we've read, Lord God, but you tell him to do it, to do it anyway, to tell people about Jesus. Lord God, I pray, Jesus, that each one of us we would take those opportunities, we pray for those opportunities, and Lord God, we would each of us would see fruit. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads, and podcasts please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.